I sound like a I sound like a twenty five year old PR girl. <laughs> Those are called vocal fries, by the way. I know. <laughs> yeah. So why do why do you other than trying to sound like that? Why do you sound like that? I have vocal fry because I was talking all weekend at the make event. Uh, okay, that's enough. We're just watching our <laughs> subscribe numbers just go way down. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I was at Spring Make all weekend, and I talked to a lot of people and had a lot of conversations, and I had a ton. I, I think I laughed more this weekend than I've laughed probably in the whole previous three years. A lot of laughs hanging out with the crew that we picked up together and just like nonstop one thing into another, into another, into another, into another. And every night was one of those lobby hangs that went till 2 a.m. And it was it was just a great weekend with a lot of great people, made a lot of new friends. And funny, I hooked up really funny. I hooked up with uh, I could talk about this a little bit later when we get deeper into it. But I hooked up with Josh Temple, who I haven't seen in exactly 10 years we worked together on a TV show, and 10 years ago, he was very cocky. I liked him, and I'm not going to say anything bad about him. And I said this to his face when I saw him. I was like, man, you were so cocky. He had just booked the House Crashers on DIY, and it went on for like almost nine years from that moment when we first met. And But he was so cocky, and 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 he, he liked me. We, we had a really, really uh, interesting bond and I never saw him again until social media picked up and we started talking through social media. And then now this is the first time we actually hung out because I connected him to Lincoln and he's a big part of what Lincoln does behind the scenes now. And uh, I was the, I was the, I introduced him. And so when we met, we immediately just like got right into where we left off. But uh, the reason I bring it up is because he was, he was so complimentary about what me and this community have done for ourselves as far as developing our own avenues, our own fan base that we're connected to directly as opposed to TV. And he said now he doesn't have a TV show and he's just uh, back to trying to figure out how to get back on TV. So we had lengthy conversations about him trying to just develop his social media. But it was really, it was really funny how he basically compared his career to my career and saying how me and this community have done something unbelievable. And he has, he basically didn't pay any attention to it until this weekend. And he was just completely blown away. So uh, not that we need any more of it, but you know, it's just another reassurance, more Testament to what we are all doing. And he was just blown away by the community, the love, the, the amount of sharing, the amount of caring, the amount of talking, the amount of listening that went on this weekend at spring make. And he was just blown away. And, uh, he, he couldn't say enough nice things about, you know, what developed outside of the TV world in the last 10 years since we first met. Because he's just TV. Like, I don't even think he has a YouTube channel. His socials are, you know, he never had to deal with socials because he had a job. He went to work. He was on TV every day. And apparently he came up to me because I have a bone to pick with you. I go, what? He goes, on your podcast, you said once a few years ago, because one of my fans wrote to him and told him that. He goes... You said if a guy walks up to you at Home Depot and says, do you want your house redone, run away in the other direction. He goes, dude, that was my job. <laughs> I go, well, I used you as a metaphor because it was simple. I said, but I was just talking about the idea of don't let television people fix your house in general. But he goes, he was just so funny. He cornered me and he hit me with that. I was laughing. So we were both laughing. It was really funny. Anyway, 
But it was a great weekend, spring make. It, it happened in uh, Cleveland. We drove there. Me and a crew of guys drove out to Cleveland. And uh, just, again, nonstop laughter. We stopped at Niagara Falls on the way out. And the, we spent the, the night and the morning at Niagara Falls. A lot of fun. Woke up, drove to Cleveland, got right into the action. Cleveland, uh, uh, it was at a, a industrial space they rented, kind of like the first workbench con, a big old factory building that hosted everybody. It was about 200 people in all. And there was welding, there was metal forming, there was woodworking, there was uh, a couple of sponsors, there was a belt grinder sponsor, Beaumont Grinding, and uh, uh, ShopBot was there with a machine. It was it was great. It was a lot of learning and a lot of experimentation, which is something you don't ordinarily see at these events. People having the ability to weld right there with four instructors teaching them all different techniques of welding and uh, grinding. And blacksmithing, Brett was there when ZH Fabrications, Zach Hoverbolts, they were both doing blacksmith techniques on four anvils. The, the uh, Colorado blacksmiths were there. I, I can't remember their, their uh, socials name, but they're blacksmiths from Colorado. I mean, blacksmiths from Cleveland, local blacksmiths there. And uh, the local maker guys were there, uh, the guys from this whole collective, Skidmark Garage and Soulcraft Woodworking, they were all there. And I, it was just, it was one of those weekends where just the chemistry worked out great and it was a lot of fun and it was a lot of talking and Mark Adams photography had his back screen set up. Mark Adams is a photographer who's associated with all those guys in that same space where Soulcraft Woodworking is in the warehouse district in Cleveland. And he set up his backdrop and he just took pictures all day, all night. He never stopped. He must've taken thousands of pictures and it was just it was just so much fun. And now we have a great record. We did that last year when, when Craig from Lincoln had everybody out. It was, it was only like 15 people last year. And we all went over to Soulcraft and we all did a bunch of pictures, which is why all those black and white pictures were used this year to promote this event. And now he has thousands of pictures to promote the next one. So... <clears throat> Yeah, I was having some pretty serious FOMO this weekend watching everybody because it looked like you guys were having so much fun. And That's I was like, man, great. look, all my friends that I don't get to see very often, they're all in one place, and I'm not there. Laura came from Germany, and Crafts with Ellen was there, and Jess came from California. And actually, this week, uh, Crafts with Ellen is here, and they, they drove back, and they were staying with Brett. Uh, Ellen from Crafts with Ellen and Jess from iJessa are both here this week. So I'm going to be hanging out with them all week. They're going to be helping me here at the shop. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good week, but it was a great weekend. And, uh, you know, as we get into it, we'll, we'll talk more about it. But I have to go uh, drink some lemon and rest my vocal fry. <laughs> <laughs> vocal fries. David, what did you, what did you do this weekend? This weekend? I didn't do much of anything. We just kind of hung out, did some stuff around the house and, recharged and yeah so in a little bit it'll be your past but my future i'm releasing another video this uh oh it's in here this this is basically it's a little cat that sits on a shelf and has a, a ball of yarn hanging from its paw and it's a super simple project but it, it's one of my very first woodworking projects ever that i made back in high school and my mom I made it, and I believe I gave it to her for Mother's Day, and then it's fallen off the shelf a few times, and she gave it to me to fix about a year ago, and I'm finally, I finally got around to it, and we fixed it, we patched it up, 
had to give the cat a, a new ear. And I thought, well, how about I make a new one with a better design? So we made that all into one video and that video is going to be released sometime today. So that was, that was fun. Kind of just, you ever make something and like have no, absolutely no memory of making it? Cause it was 28 years ago. I can't, I, <laughs> oh, wow. I, I can't picture making, I know I made it, but I just have absolutely no memory. And so that, that's kind of weird. Hmm. So, so that's a fun little project that we're releasing today. And then a few days ago, we released a real simple picture frame project. So the easiest picture frames you can make with no fancy joinery. And we just use a staple gun to staple the corners together and no profiles, just if you need a picture frame, that's the video to watch. So, hmm. cool. What's the response been to to that one? That one's really good. So I put out three videos in a row that got really low views, and starting to it makes you worry. I'm like, uh, what's going on? What's what's the future here? Yeah. And finally, uh, I have a video that's that's doing normal and it's getting its normal amount of views, uh, and. It, it, it's videos like that. It's kind of like the broad how-to videos. They always do well. If I do a, a shop, piece of shop furniture, it always does well. But if I do my planner sculpture, nobody wants to watch it because it's a non-functional thing. And uh, hmm. we tried a new thing with the picture video, with the picture frame video. We're framing a 10 rules of Corita Kent's art shop. And it's just a list of 10 rules for for their art department and so in the video we kind of like stopped and talked about each rule uh, throughout throughout the video and it was kind of like a good little uh, just like a, a good little break in between the steps and i'm wondering like how can i do this in the future with more videos so it's not about just a project maybe i talk about my favorite books or who inspires me or my favorite designers as i just like a little break in between each video to give the videos a little bit more value than just making the thing so if you don't want to make the particular thing maybe you can get something else out of the video because we're we're discussing deeper topics so um, that hmm. that might be a jumping off point of how we made that video into future videos Interesting. Yeah, that'd be cool to see how that evolves and how you figure out how to integrate that stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Anything else? That's uh, that's it. That's it. I've got cool. 15 right projects on. done for the book, so that I think... Ooh. I'm hoping that's it. That's it. So, Tell everybody about the new book. <laughs> what are you doing? Again. So uh, I'm doing a book, and it's all kitchen-based projects. So, and they're all, some of them are really quick projects that can be done in a couple hours. Some of them are a little bit more involved, like a, like a big spice rack, but, um, the, it's supposed to come out later this year. It was supposed to come out earlier this year, but everything got delayed. And so we've got 15 projects. And so now it's kind of on hold. They need to put together a few chapters to see how many pages the book is going to take up because there's a certain threshold that you want to meet with the page count if you too little it the the cost of printing is 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 weird and too much the cost of printing goes up so you got to find that that perfect threshold so we need to see if 15 projects will work and uh, and and that's by springhouse press which mark spagnolo just put out his first book with them it's his third second or third book but it's his first book with this particular publisher yeah, cool. and uh, they're they're good people it's it's just a small team and they, I really, 
love their design style. Like all the books that Springhouse Press puts out, they're really, really good looking books. Like if I saw, if I didn't know who they were and I saw these books at the bookstore, I'm like, that's a nice cover. Oh, this is laid out really nice. Like they, they have a really good sense of d- design. I think when you first signed on with them, I got, there was a skateboard book. Mm-hmm. The handmade that, skateboard. That they came out with. Yeah. And it's a really, really nice book. Yeah. I think I got it because, like, I heard you talking about the, you know, the company, and I was like, I don't know, so, somehow I ended up with that book. But you're right; they're they do a good job. Cool. Um, well, let's see, what did I do this weekend? I worked this weekend trying to get an extra little project done uh, because I'm leaving on Friday for Italy, and I'm going to be going to visit some friends that we used to uh, that we know from Savannah, and then we're going to go see Jocko. And then from there, we're going to England to go to Maker Central. If you're not going, if you're in Europe and you're not going to Maker Central, you're missing out. You should definitely go because mm-hmm. it's going to be crazy and mm-hmm. big and a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't get enough right here of Jimmy without a voice, mm-hmm. go to Maker Central because he won't have a voice there either. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to be, I'm yeah. going to pretend to be my 25 year old. College sorority PR girl. <laughs> so there's something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, anyway, but I'll I'll be we're we're gonna be like traveling a lot, and then as soon as we get back from that, we're we'll be back for a few days, and then we're going to Maker Fair in Bay Area. So, Bob, will you be like, making uh, and creating things on the airplane? Like, are you gonna bring your tools with you? Uh, yes. Um, Me too. So I've gotten. FFA um, permission to bring a circular saw and a plasma cutter. So that's what I'll have on the plane. Bob's going to be in workshop use... class. He's going to be building things in workshop class. <laughs> class as in like the class of where you'd be seated. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's behind. It's in the very back of the plane, the cold part where you can make <laughs> Next stuff. to the dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm going to be traveling a whole lot in May, basically like the middle of May. So we have a bunch of content ready, you know, to go up to that. Um, but I was like, well, this weekend I'll just try to like make a little something simple, something that we need. So I asked my wife what we needed or what something that would be useful for her that I could do quickly. And uh, she was like, make some wooden spoons. I'm like, okay, I've never thought about that. So I started cutting wooden spoons and I ended up, I did a couple and then I had a third that was kind of like a blank, like a deeper spoon. And I called her down and she did the third one. And that was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. So she, you know, I got to work with her on, um, I mean, she's used some of the tools in the shop, but she's always wanted to do more of it. And it's just hard for us to find the time when the kids are occupied and we have, you know, everything aligns correctly. But so it was really interesting to like walk her through the bandsaw and like, you have to hold it like this because it wants to pull it down to the table, you know, stuff like that. Um, And then shaping something that needs to be kind of smooth on the outside. Um, Just walking her through different tools to be able to do that. And she did a great job and she, you know, I showed her a couple of things quickly and then she just did it all on her own. But that was really fun to do something small and quick and simple. Uh, and now we have some nice utensils that we can use. You know, I've been doing such big stuff. I feel like anyway, uh, like this entire year. And so it's really nice to just go into the shop for an hour and walk out with like two for things. Sure. For sure. Know? Can I tell you a wooden spoon story from my book? Sure. The, uh, that's one of the projects in the book. And for that, I wanted to do it just with carving tools. 
And over the winter, I'm driving around and there's a guy cutting a tree down in our neighborhood. And I stopped and I asked him if I could have this piece of the log. And he's like, uh, well, this is going to be our firewood. I'm like, oh, no worries. No, no big deal. And he's like, well, what are you going to use it for? I'm like, woodworking. And he's like, mm, okay, take it. And I was like, are you sure you... He just go ahead and take it. So he was very skeptical of me taking this this piece of wood, huh. and he's like, "It's red oak." And I'm like, "Oh, great!" And so that was going to be the the wooden spoon project that we were going to carve out by hand. And I started. I just got these these carving tools, and so I'm unfamiliar with it. And I'm trying to carve it. I'm like, "This first of all, this isn't red oak. I don't know what this is, but it's definitely not red oak." And carving is super hard. I like I just could not carve these spoons the way I wanted. And I'm like, oh, I'll just grab another piece of wood. I grab a piece of maple, and the, the the tools were fine. I quickly carved out something out of maple. So this piece of wood that he gave me, we think is sycamore, is just hmm. terrible wood to to work with. And I will never want to work with this this wood again. So we made wooden <laughs> spoons as well, hand carved out of sycamore that I don't like. <laughs> Just because of the of the memory, you, you you trying something for the first time and it's not going as planned, and you're thinking, "No, I just don't know how to do this yet." And it turned out it was this this piece of wood that was mm. just so dense. That reminds me of a, a story recently. I well, about three years ago, I was driving by my neighbor who was cutting up his firewood for the season, and he had sitting there a log that was about twenty five inches in diameter by about seven feet long. It was a big old oak log, and it was hollowed out completely. There was about a three-inch band of real wood around the outside edge, and the middle was just completely gone. And I saw that. I was like, that's going to be a chest. That could be a planter. That could be uh, an umbrella stand. That could be something. So I went over, and I said, I go, can I buy that from you? And same thing. And he looked at me side-eyes like, what do you want that for? I was like, it is just a cool-looking log. I said, and I said, can I buy it? I'll buy it. And he goes, I'm going to have to get $25 for that. I was like, oh. I go, here you go. Here's 30. And he's like, why give me 30? I only want 10. I'm like, he, he helped me flip it into the truck. And I, I since become friendly with him. That's my, my buddy Dale down the road. But that was the first time I ever met him. And I had the log, and it's been sitting in my yard for three years. And then just a couple of days ago, well, before I left, I got a couple of jugs of, of the new epoxy from Total Boat. So right then I said, let me do this. Something's been sitting on my mind for a long time. I cut a slice of it, about a three or four inch slice, and I'm going to make a pond table. Not a river table, but a pond table, because it'll be a perfectly round table with a perfectly circumference, circular edge of wood with this sparkly blue epoxy mm. right in the middle. So I poured that, and last night I was anxious to get home to see how, how it hardened. Because this epoxy takes three days to cure, because it's, it wants to get in every crevice, so it takes a long time. And the, it's hard as a rock. I can't wait today to peel it out of the mold and turn it over and start sanding it. So that's, that's an upcoming mm. video, but... There it is. Seeing my neighbor cut wood. Just, just, just so you know, you are going to have at least five thousand comments that say, "Oh, you should put fish in the bottom of that." I just, just be prepared. <laughs> you still get that on your table, <laughs> man. I get that every single day. That's funny. Still, uh, that's three a years good. Later. You know, that's a, <laughs> that's a real. Because then what I'll do is I'll buy a little tiny goldfish and just bury it in the resin where nobody can see it. <laughs> No, people kept telling me that, like, oh, you should totally put some some fish or some a shipwreck in the bottom of that table, and I'm like, man, that would look so dumb. But so I took a picture with one of my kids' plastic sharks, like laying on top of the table, and I put it on Instagram. I'm like, this is what that would look like because uh, <laughs> it would just looks stupid. Anyway, anyway, be prepared. Did you see Caleb's uh, fish tank with all the Lego stuff in it? Have yes. you seen? It? 
It's unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know if that's published or not, but he showed me stills on his phone. Incredible stuff. Oh, wait, Caleb. Oh, maybe I haven't. I've seen that before. You can, with Lego you can make stuff this too. It. You can make this too. Oh, not oh. in a fish tank. No, no. I saw so many things this week. I hope I'm, I hope I'm uh, scribing the right image to the right person because my mind is like scrambled eggs. But uh, I'll find out more and I'll, we'll talk about it next week. I'll get accurate information hmm. and accurate videos. Really, really good looking cool. project with Legos and fish tanks. But that's it for me for a minute. I'm going to rest my voice. Okay. <laughs> um, so the project that we actually, the the spoons that we're doing aren't coming out for several weeks, but the thing that's coming out this week is um, a filament cabinet for 3D printing filament. So there's, Josh went to a, an event called MRF. Uh, it's the Mid, Midwest Rep Rap Festival. They call it MRF, which is a horrible acronym for a thing, I think. But he went to this 3D printing thing <clears throat> and um, there were a bunch of people selling different types of cabinets for keeping filament in because there's certain filaments that need to have a lower moisture count. So, you you know, you keep them in a container, keep it heated, that keeps the humidity down, this and that. And people were selling these cabinets and it's just a cabinet with like a small heating element in it. There's nothing fancy to it. People use like food dehydrators and stuff too. But so he came back and we started talking about it and we ended up making this little wall-mounted cabinet um, that's kind of like, it's not very tall, but it's long. And it's got a glass, an etched glass door in the front of it because I wanted to do glass etching. And then we put a um, a gun safe heater. They have these heaters for gun safes to keep the moisture or the humidity count, the, what's it called? Relative humidity low inside the cabinet so that the guns won't rust. And so we got one of those to put in this cabinet. And it doesn't create a whole lot of heat. Like, I don't think you would want to touch it, but it doesn't feel hot. But then when you look at the, we got some little sensors that we can put in there that show the relative humidity. And then we have one on the outside so you can see them next to each other. And it's crazy how much difference it makes. And it's, I mean, these, this bar was, I don't know, $10, $15 or something like that. These little uh, temperature and humidity sensors we got are a couple of bucks for three of them. And it's just a wooden box with a glass door, but it, like legitimately does the thing it's supposed to do. I don't know why it seemed like that should be a bigger deal to make a thing <laughs> that keeps the humidity of the plastic low, but it's just, it was really easy. So we've got that coming out and some simple plans for it too. Um, but it was, it was kind of a fun, it was funny because the video was su- supposed to be like glass etching. And we were like, let's just do how to make a glass etch door and we'll make a cabinet and not show it, but just like the video is just about, the glass. And then the more we started talking about it, it was like, well, we could do this thing, but then we have to do this and, oh, we could make it for filament. And then, oh, if we're going to make for filament, then we should add heat and we should add vents and we should add a fan and we should add Mm. (laughs) tool storage and this and that. And, you know, it just ballooned like things do here. So I have a question about the filament. So it it wants to be in a humidity controlled environment. So when you take it out, there's not like a shock to it. Like the, does it no, take a while it, it to absorb the moisture? It does take a little while, and it depends on the filament type as to how quickly that happens. But also, you can feed. So we put um, these little rollers with bearings, and there's a tiny hole that you can feed the filament through. So you can actually run it from within the cabinet down into the printer. So, yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't it doesn't soak it up super quickly. We also put some desiccant packs in the box too and that just helps you know absorb some of the humidity in the air too and this would be your second cabinet for filament right 
Didn't you build one before? Um, not specifically for filament. We built uh, like a desk with where all the printers go underneath it. Oh. And a filament went in there as well. But we actually just have too much of it. So it's it was starting to like stack up on top of the desk and all that. So this helps us take the stuff. Because not all the plastics care about the humidity. Um, so it lets us take the ones that do and put them in this controlled box. And everything else can just go down by the printers. So Cool. Yeah, so we did that. Um, and that will be out this week. And then I'm leaving for a vacation, which is going to be kind of weird. I'm not sure how I'll do. But the good thing is I get to work a little bit while I'm on vacation. With <laughs> the good thing is I get to work on vacation. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, you know. But, uh, yeah, so Jimmy, what were we going to talk about? You had, you brought something up beforehand. I don't remember what it was now. I was going to talk about my my keynote speech at the Spring Make event. So Craig set this event up. He was running around like crazy this this last few months putting the event together. It's been probably about ten months in planning. And he asked me and and, uh, and Laura and Jesse Combs, who's a, a race car builder, and uh, and 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 then and, and Josh Temple to do the keynote speaks and speeches and. It was getting down to the wire and I had to put something together and I hadn't really thought much about it. I just figured I'd just talk about, you know, do a and a fill up the hour just to answer questions out of the audience. And it's kind of hopeful, but it's, I know you have to at least be prepared because if you get up there and like, for some reason, the audience is weird and it's a weird energy in the room, you got to make sure you have something to talk about because those questions, people get shy, you know, you're in a room full of just a hundred people. Not everybody feels like talking and so I put together a thing, but I was like, what, what, what does it say? So I went to the website and it says, being more creative on purpose. I don't even ever remember discussing this with Craig, but that's what it said on the website. So I went, I went to it and I started asking myself, what, what would I do to be more creative on purpose? What do I do? And it's really something that happens so automatic. I don't even stop to think about it ever. And so I, I opened up PowerPoint or, or in this case, keynote speech on Apple and I started making pages and I said, being more creative on purpose. That's my first slide. And then my second slide is, why do we want to be more creative? And I started listing four things. And then I thought, maybe I should just keep going. And I ended up making like five pages of why. And then I made probably 20 pages of how. Just bullet points in no particular order. But I said, why do we want to be more creative? And it's an interesting question to ask yourself. Why do we want to be more creative? And I said, you know, in our environment, more views, more accolades, more money, more eyes, uh, more pats on the back, uh, get outside the box, makes life more interesting. I started just labeling all these things. And it's really funny because if you really have to ask yourself, why do I want to be more creative, more original, set yourself apart from the pack? Is it something that's just comes from within? And then I said, what do I do to achieve all those things? And so I asked myself that. And then I made a list, like I said, 20 slides. And the 20 slides basically amount to be curious and be playful and remain childlike. That's what all these things basically amounted to. As simple as go for long drives late night, which is something I always do. I'll work all day long. And then at the end of the night, it's two in the morning. And I say, oh, I got to get a coffee. All right, let me go drive 20 miles to get a coffee. But that's just an excuse to go for a long drive to just unwind, I, especially up here in the country. When it's when the summer comes, I drive a lot. So that's also why I like going for long drives to places like we just did. 
helps me stop and think. This time I was in the car with people, but in general, I like going for long drives alone. It really gets my mind. I, I, I got into this habit. I don't do it as much anymore, but I used to write post-it notes and stick them to my windshield. So when I was done with like a 10-hour drive, I'd see all the different ideas all stuck around the car. It's so hokey, but and they blow out the window. So now I just save it to them. <laughs> there goes that idea. <laughs> I just save it. <laughs> That's funny. There goes that idea. So now I, I, I kind of have a habit now of saying them into the memo app, uh, the voice memo app. Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to ask you guys, what do you guys do to be more creative? And by the way, that keynote uh, PowerPoint that I made, I'm going to make into a little video with a little voiceover. And if you guys want, we'll post a link on our Patreon page. I'm going to post it on my Patreon page and then I'm going to give it to the Spring Make people to publish wherever they want. It will be, it'll be private only because I don't want to try and make it like a featured video because it'll bring my uh, SEO down because no one's going to watch it. So is that the right word? SEO? Search Optimum Search O-S-O-E? What is it? That's SEO. SEO SEO is Search Engine Optimization, but it might... It's a little bit different than than what you're thinking of. It'll bring your 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 kind of your velocity of views down, which could affect your next yeah. video. They will take. They'll say. They'll they'll say. Oh, the rest is put out a dumb video, and somebody at YouTube's going to turn the big volume knob down. That's exactly how it works. You get it. So, there's like a, totally there's like a spigot, and everybody's like logo is at the top of that spigot. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, let's punish Jimmy, and they're like. Arr, arr, arr. Down to three yep. percent of my audience. Let's only let three percent of Jimmy's audience know he just put up a new video. Your understanding of technology is baffling. Yeah, that should be a keynote speech right there. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a room full of dials and there's like dust and smoke. It's like the set. It's like the set of, of Saw Eight, and there's just the whole wall full of dials and everybody's little meme logo is right in the middle of that thing. And like, uh, see, I just pictured a little more like uh, Willy Wonka, and it's just like this crazy factory with everybody has a little swirly looking tube, and you no. go up and. Oh, Turn this the is knob all on the tube. No, this is all before the tube. This is in the basement. This oh, is where the crypt oh, keeper. Yeah. So like it's you're the under the part. basement of the flowery plastic flowers in the chocolate rivers. Underneath there, there's this dusty, dank basement with everybody's dial. And then like they're like, oh, Jimmy put out a stupid video. Or he did a voiceover of a image of type slides. <laughs> That's the knob. My knob is pretty greasy these days. It won't make noise because they're always turning it down and turning it up. Uh, they don't have to put any WD-40 on mine up. But, <laughs> but I will have it out there so we could kind of make it like a little behind the scenes uh, pass around. Hmm. So, Bob, Dave, what do you guys do to be more creative? What are the what are the things you do to get outside of your every day? Like, do you go for drives? Do you? Uh, you know? So for me. And when I was when I was doing photography for fun and when I was doing music for fun, the thing that would help me be more creative is a new instrument. If I got a new guitar, for whatever reason, I wrote a lot of new songs. If I got a new lens, it kind of helps you see the your environment a little bit different. So I was able to be a little bit more creative with my compositions. And then when I got into woodworking, I learned that getting a new tool didn't translate the same way as it did for music and photography. And... I learned that books I so I started just I started picking up books and for whatever reason that that it, it's better than Pinterest like that physical actual page turning and holding the books it just really inspires me and gets me going and so I collect all these books anytime I see an old working book at the thrift store antique store I, I, I pick it up and whether or not I read it right away doesn't matter it just goes on the shelf 
And when I'm looking for creativity, I'll just, I'll just pull out a pile of books and I'll flip through them. And a lot of times I'm flipping through, uh, if, if I want to make a bookcase, I'm not going to look at a book of bookcases. I'm going to look at a book of architecture or something else to hope, or maybe just a book of techniques and I'll see something and that sparks the idea that I need to make that bookcase. So I'm looking outside of that little, that little circle and trying to bring in other influences. So for me, books, that's, that's, I'm just, it's gotten to the point where I'm just collecting books just to collect books, just so I can just sit back in my office and just look at them all. Cause it, it's, it's a, it's a good room decoration, but that is what excites me. So I have a question about the books. Like, do you have a, a source that you typically go to find these books or do you have like, when you go, maybe you're like at an antique store or something, you're looking through the books selection. What's the thing that you look for? Just something that catches your eye or are you looking for a specific type of, so anytime, Something. yeah, so when we, especially when we travel, anytime we travel, I'm hitting the thrift stores and the antique stores. Books in antique stores are more expensive, um, but I am looking for any kind of craft, art, DIY, or design books. And I have this little app on my phone and I categorize them all. The, the app is called Book Buddy. And so when I'm out and about, I can actually see if I already have that book. And then I've made my own genres instead of using the, the default. Like you can scan the the ISBN numbers with the with the mm, phone, cool. and it has its own genres. But I I ditched that so because I, I have kind of like my own filing system here that's better than the, the Dewey Dave, Decimal David system. Decimal system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and basically those categories are uh, art, crafts, metal, woodworking, turning. Uh, and, and basic like home DIY stuff. So, uh, and so since they're all kind of grouped together, I'm like, all right, I'm going to hop into metal and I just, there's a whole bookshelf. I can just pull all those books out, see the old techniques, like the old time life books. They're so, the illustrations on there, they're so great. They're so good. And it's just like, oh, this is how somebody in there and, what just basic tools could bend metal into the shape. You know, it's, it's, it's inspiring for me. Have you ever seen the Foxfire book collection? I'm not familiar with it. Look that up. Um, when I was growing up, we had the Foxfire books and it was a collection of, I don't remember, maybe 20, 15, 20. I don't know. There could have been a hundred of them. There's a, a bunch of books and they were kind of like the encyclopedia of, Hmm. making things yeah, but cool. it's not just about making things it's like how to how to like grow corn and right. how to homesteading like knit. And, yeah yeah it's like all sorts of stuff but it's very it's like a directory of hands-on stuff and you know i don't know when they were written i don't know at what point they stopped being updated and stuff like that since 1966 it, appalachian heritage yeah oh okay yeah um so that might be a new source of like stuff that's it doesn't hit all the same points that you may find in like, you know, a, a popular woodworking magazine is going to have a different, very different thing than like a homesteading style book. But I remember going through those books as a kid and just being like, why do I need to know how to catch a catfish with a <laughs> apple or whatever the thing, you know, it was just like random stuff. But um, that might be an interesting source, something you could keep your eye out for if you ever run across them. Yeah, for sure. Um I've seen a few of those books, not an entire collection, but I've seen a few of them here and there in um, 
thrift stores and stuff over the years. And I've always thought like, oh, that'd be kind of cool to get that whole, you know, collection right. of them again. But another thing um, that for uh, real quick, when I if I'm drawing inspiration from books, I feel like there's, you know, th- there's a hundred other YouTubers doing woodworking projects. And I don't know where they draw their information from. It might be from magazines or other books or other YouTubers. But I feel like if I'm pulling from old books, I have kind of like a, a unique uh, place, a, a source of inspiration that might be different than than somebody else, you know. So I think that I use that to separate where I get my influence from from everybody else. Cool. Um, I mean, I I have a few things that I wrote down here while you guys were talking, and they're in no particular order, but books are definitely one of the things. But I kind of go about the book collection process differently, or for maybe for a different reason. So when I was thinking about the books that I collect, I, I don't know that I've ever purchased a woodworking book. Um, I don't know that I've ever gotten like a, a DIY type book for that, for an inspiration, but I have several books that are collections of things. And so like, I have this one that there's this company called, um, Taskin, I think is how you say it. T-A-S-C-H-E-N. And they make these books of collections and they, they're all sorts of stuff. But I have one that I found a long time ago and it was vintage robots. <laughs> Do you have one? I, I have a whole bunch of that. Oh they yeah. They have yeah. like, yeah. Thousand record labels, fifties decorative art, five hundred cabinets. Yeah, they have all kinds of collection yeah. books, and they're just collection books. But I, I have this one of you know like metal robots, and so it's from the beginning. And it starts out with kind of metal toys in general, but it spends most of the book on it's just picture, no text at all. It's just picture after picture of metal ro- toys, metal robots, and rockets, and all this stuff. And it's just got like such a cool vibe. And I remember like flipping through that. I made a robot lamp several years ago as a video and I was flipping through that book and I was like, Oh wait, I should use one of these ideas and make a lamp out of it. And that was the thing that created a project from finding this robot book on clearance at Barnes and Noble, you know, 20 years ago or whatever it was. And so like, after I got that one, I realized that I liked, uh, that type of book and movie art books. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of the art of star Wars, Tron, um, you know, the properties and the stuff that I grew up with that I really like, I'm just drawn to how those things came to be. So a lot of the behind the scenes art and, um, concept stuff. And that's really cool because you get to see kind of like the beginning process of something you already saw the end of it. You saw what it came out as a movie or as a show or whatever, but you get to see how it started and how it evolved over the course of somebody working on it. But so when you, get inspired by those initial drawings or those initial ideas, you can branch in a different direction from somebody else's basic idea, which I think is kind of cool. That's happened to me several times. I also find um, a lot in uh, books, like I got an Atari book recently, and it's, um, it's like the game art from Atari games, which sounds dumb, but if you look at some of the art on the original games, it's not the game, it's the art for the cover. I can covers. still picture and, Missile Command, which is not the game, like the art on the right. cover is nothing not like game. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing like it at all. But they're beautiful. And it's like this book is all the covers and then the art on the side of the arcades and stuff like that. Mm. And it's just like this awesome, like 70s, super bright color vibe and all, you know, it's all science fiction and 
it, it's just a really cool book to flip through because it's like it's a different color palette than stuff is made now. And so, at least for me, it just looks like it's from, I mean, it is from another time, but it looks very obviously like it's from another time. Anyway, so I, I do a lot of books, um, a lot of art books and collection books like that. Not necessarily an example of the thing that I would make. You know, it's not like a furniture book or whatever, but um, there's a lot of, like in the the Atari book specifically, there's a lot of shapes that I wouldn't naturally create. There's a lot of big swoopy curve kind of, I don't even know how to describe them, but there's a lot of shapes that I wouldn't draw if I were to sit down and draw something. And so to look at a, a different set of shapes and try to create something around that is outside of what I would naturally do. And that's where you end up in kind of new territory. So that that's been something. I also, um, this is probably the biggest one for me is I walk around and I look for problems. So I'll, um, in the shop, like if I get stuck on something, I'll just like walk around and look for something that doesn't work well or something that needs to be improved or something that doesn't work at all. You know, uh, we do the same thing in the kitchen all the time. We're in the house. We look for problems. Like I was asking my wife, what's a thing that you need? What's a problem that I can solve? And she said, well, I need more wooden spoons. All right, cool. Done. You know, so I think looking for a problem and I tell people this all the time, looking for a problem around you that you can solve, you are far more invested in the result of like the solution to that problem because it affects you directly rather than just like, well, I guess I should make a chair because that's what people do. You know, and you make a chair and then you don't really need it. If you need a chair, you are far more invested in that chair. So that's a big thing for me. Um, and th- this last one is kind of similar to the books. I like to go down rabbit holes of things that I'm not interested in. And it's really hard to start this for me because I have to actively go somewhere I don't want to be and then find a rabbit hole. And so, like, <laughs> <laughs> I just pictured you in like a crazy bar. I won't go further than that. <laughs> I mean, think of it like visually. Think of like on Instagram, not, not physically go to a place that I don't want to be. Like, think of. Oh, I mean, actually, physically as well, like going to uh, exhibits that I don't really care about, uh, going to musical performances that I don't really care about. It's funny. In my speech, I said going to galleries where you have these wacky artists doing crazy stuff where you look at and go, somebody would buy that? But then you spend time in there and you start thinking, okay, I can really start to understand where this guy's coming from, where this person's coming from. Yeah. I think more specifically, um, I was thinking about like, you know, go on Pinterest or Instagram or a place like that where you have this kind of this endless list of stuff that is just kind of like attached and all these by, you know, keywords and it's just a web. Right. And so if you if you start down one string that you're kind of interested in or maybe you're not interested in, but then you just start following these roads You'll end up, and it, this happens so easily on Pinterest, you'll end up in an, in an entirely different place. And so you can just pick a random word and start clicking through images, and it populates what it thinks is relevant to what you clicked on or how you've behaved. And so you can just, you know, I can start on some sci-fi thing and then click some random hashtag that's attached to it and start following down that path. And you get visually exposed to all sorts of stuff that you wouldn't have naturally been exposed to. And I think that's can be, it can be a lot of fun. It can also be a huge waste of time. I mean, sometimes you get down a far path and you're like, well, this is pointless and 
I'm not getting anything out of it. But <clears throat> well, yeah. I always say like the uh, the biggest another big overall theme is the more input, the more output. If you go down a yeah. path of crazy photos and you start seeing things you never otherwise would have looked at because it's not something that piques your interest, it all goes in there, and then eventually you'll be confronted with a situation where you have to say. Oh, there was that one time I saw like a round wheel with a blue hub, you know, on a set of pink gravel. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. And then that peaks a a solve or makes a connection or bridges a gap for something you're doing. But just at least taking it in visually, uh, maybe audibly, just just have it go pass through. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's funny. While I edit, I'm always asking myself, how many frames is enough frames for somebody to stop and go, oh, okay, I got that. And it's probably like three, four, now nah, like maybe like 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 six, eight frames for me to go, okay, you know, so I'll film like a five minute thing and I'll use less than one second, which would be 24 frames. You know, I use 12 frames of that. And that's enough. That's enough. That's enough to basically like, you know, shoot you in the eye with a pee. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's all. You remember that? <laughs> and that's and that's what I'm talking about. You know, I said it once, and uh, and Berkey always repeats it. I said, "You want to get hit in the face with a bucket of visuals, and that bucket mm-hmm. of visuals will, or all those visuals that are like kind of dripping all off you, will stay with you because one day there'll be something that will be. It, it's like life is like a game of uh, concentration." And you, you, by flipping through Pinterest, you're looking at the, the, the one side. And then eventually your mind will create the match for that other side. And you go, oh, now I have an idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so that's why taking in all these images is just, you know, it's like a giant, it's a lifelong game of concentration. There, I'm going to write a book. Now. Lots of input. Johnny Five, just absorb everything you can all the time. And mm-hmm. I think what happens is if you just take in so much, it just kind of gets stored back there and you don't remember the actual source and so when it does come time to create maybe you're not ripping something off exactly because you just have this mush of all this information from from all these years and at least for me it's not when it when it is back there in the mush it's not complete so like i can't recall a full picture of something but like you were saying jimmy it's like i remember that there was a blue and a red thing over a pink thing and that stark contrast was enough for me to remember that piece of it, you know, but it's not like, yeah. I, and you know, it'll come out in ways, you know, my big example, and I've talked about it recently. I think it was, I talked about it when I did, when I went to Cornell last week, uh, I had, and I talked about it on the podcast. Remember I talked about Pulsar, that toy I had in the seventies. It's like a guy with mm-hmm. like a, a pump, you pump his back and his heart beats through like rubber and vinyl inside of his clear chest. Pulsar, look up Pulsar. And I eventually made gurgling guts. So there's an example where 20 years later, I was a little kid. I was probably, Pulsar came out in 76. I was 10 years old. And when I was 30 years old, 20 years later, I made Gurgling Guts, which is one of my popular products. And it's basically the essence. It's the distillate of Pulsar. Like Pulsar was this whole character who had a pumping heart. It was one of 10 things. But the heart was at the center of the product. They basically pulled the heart out of his chest and sold millions of them. But I didn't know, I didn't know that, I didn't realize it until I was having like some childhood, like, oh God, oh, I remember Pulsar. And then I like I found the one I had, or so, no, my buddy bought me one for my 30th birthday. Steve Casino, I think it was, bought me Pulsar for my 30th birthday. Or no, a fan sent it to me after we talked I about it. I bought you. It was You me. bought it for me. 
You bought it for me. My friend bought me Michael Jackson. You bought it for me. See? I did. It. My brain is mush because I have too many visuals in it. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's, we, we discovered this on the podcast. There is a perfect example of like being input, 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 and then something mm-hmm. comes out of it. And I didn't even make that connection. It wasn't like, oh, let me make gurgling cuts, just like Pulsar I had 20 years ago. It all came to me later. Like I look back at my life, you know, after all these events and it's like, oh, look at those connections. There's the game of concentration. There's where I turned that card over when I was a kid. I didn't know I was looking for the other match. And the match came out, mm. you know, when I was when I was in my 30s. And that's what it's all about. And that's, you know, that that just helps it's really important too that the subconscious is doing a lot of work, and the only way the subconscious is going to do its work is if you feed it all this, all yeah. this, visual, audible, physical experiences, and your mind starts to just twist and turn, and you know it's like the basement of the uh, Willy Wonka chocolate factory next to the old man <laughs> adjusting all the dials, <laughs> the mm. the YouTube Wonka factory. Yeah, we call that a callback. <laughs> that was good. Um, <laughs> This is this is a, a super cheesy way to integrate this call out, but I just happened to think of it, so I'm going to go for it. Um, Maker Fair is actually a really good visual overload mm, to be yeah. inspired by. Yeah. Um, and we are all going to be at Maker Fair, so that's why I say it's a cheesy way to integrate that, and that wasn't the intention. But it, seriously, going to any sort of a, an event like Maker Fair where a bunch of people are bringing their creative ideas to show off it is a little bit overwhelming to go and just look at things and see what all is there. Um, and you will pick up so much. I said it a hundred, I've said it a hundred times and it's to the point where everyone's sick of hearing it. I went to make a fair and that's where I got my affinity for CNC carving and CNC and everything else that led to that whole open aspect of my career. Last night I was seeing, seeing knives out of steel I would never have done that if I never went to make a fair and saw the possibility of all of those various technologies yeah. hitting me in the face. Um, yep. We, the three of us, are going to be at Maker Fair Bay Area in a few weeks. It's May 17th through the 19th. Mm-hmm. And we've got a lot going on. So the three of us are going to be doing a live episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how we're going to do that or what. Uh, Brandon, we're doing Brandon's going to do it for us. Uh, Brandon's going to record it, but I don't know what the topic's going to be or what the format or any of that stuff. But anyway, we're doing that one of the days. Um, Jimmy, uh, you're doing a talk by yourself, right? Yeah, actually, Caleb came up with it, and it's amazing. I'm so excited. I was, I'm like anxiously chomping at the bit to tell you guys. Caleb came up with this idea where I'm going to be in an audience. I'm going to be in front of an audience, and they're going to call out ideas, and I'm going to brainstorm them on a wipe off board. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll do that for forty-five minutes, and we'll do Q and A for fifteen. So I'm excited to do that. That sounds fun. Um, David, are you doing anything else at Maker Faire that people need to know about? As of yet, no. Any other talks or anything? No. okay? Um, we're doing so. Me and the three guys that work with me are doing an I like to make stuff panel where you can talk to the whole team, and the, I think we're going to do it from like a spend a little time talking about the entire process, who does what, how we get from like an idea that I have to a finished video and how it moves through everybody. I think we're going to talk about that process and just about the team dynamic and then do Q and a. So that's one thing. And then those guys that work with me and Dan that works with you, David, Mm -hmm. and then, uh, Brandon who edits this podcast and a bunch of our stuff. 
I think it's them. It, there may be other people too, but people that work with other people are going to do a whole panel about that process. So there's a whole lot going on, and that's just us. I mean, there's tons of stuff happening at Maker Fair, but honestly, it is a great way to get inspired and to learn a bunch of stuff and to be exposed to things that you will not see anywhere else and will never have seen you know, so far in your life. It, it is really a fantastic event. And and, I, I wouldn't miss it. And the access to all these creative people that might even be outside of what you do. Like, you, there's... The, the, the visual onslaught of all the things going on, these robotics and, and crazy art pieces, like you, you get to interact with the artist there. It's, it's so, it's so much to take in and it's so inspiring. And, mm. and Maker Fair, like it's, it's, um, if you've never been to one, you may look at it from the outside and just see the marketed images. And so it may look like it's mostly 3D printers and mostly robotics. And there are a whole lot of that for sure. But at least at Bay Area, there's also, like uh, homesteading people. There's musicians who make their own instruments and perform there. There's people in robot costumes walking around dancing with people. There's you got kids the whole Burning Man flavor out giant there. Too. Cupcakes. I mean, there's like Burning Man sculptures that blow fire everywhere. It, there is all sorts of stuff. So don't think it's just one thing if you've never been. Um, it is worthwhile. And I'm excited to get to hang out with you guys. Me it's too. more than 3D printing. Do what? It's more than 3D printing. Yeah, it is for sure. And I say I'm looking forward to hanging out with you guys, but if history is any indication, we may say hi to each other and then be on stage <laughs> and then may not get to see each other again. Hopefully we'll get to hang out. But um, I don't want to cut this off, but do we have anything else around I, the creativity w- stuff? One more thing that I, I want to talk about is... Don't sit around waiting for creativity to happen. If you just sit there and you think, oh, the idea is going to hit me, it is not. You actually, you gotta, at least for, for me, I have to say, you know what? I'm going to design this thing now. From 9 p.m. to 11 p.m., I'm going to work on this thing. And that's when I force myself to be creative. That's when I'm creative. The ideas just don't hmm. hit me while I'm watching Hulu. So put yourself okay. in a position to, to, be, to force yourself to be creative. I have a... A thing, um, and this just may be me, but I'll throw it out there in case it applies to anybody else. I, a lot of times, will not sit down to work on a project if I don't have a good idea. Like, I, I feel like I can't uh, muddle through it unless that time is going to be really productive. And that, I think, is the wrong way to think about it. Like you were saying, sometimes you just have to decide to sit down and start designing something. And I think I need to get better about being okay with like putting in a couple hours designing if nothing comes out of it, because the truth is something will come out of it. It may just not be the final result. Right. So like I, I typically won't sit down unless I think I can complete something or I can do something that I feel is really productive, but the process is the process. Right. And sometimes you just got to like put in some work and it gets you closer to the end goal, even if it's not the end goal. Um, So I, I need to take your advice there and just spend a little bit more time sitting down and just doing it. I think sometimes I might have the, I might just force myself to come up with some initial ideas and maybe after a couple hours, I'm not happy with it, but something is there that's that, that, that something got started and I might go to bed. And while I'm trying to sleep, I'm like, that's the thing I need to make this thing what I want it to be. And so I think just getting started for me helps and then the 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 cherry on top might come later right on um 
You got anything else? Um, I had something I forgot. Just I have the Art of Atari book playful. in my shopping cart right now. Nice. I found a used it's one a for $7.27. Ooh. Yeah. Wow, that's a pretty good deal. Um, oh, yeah. Another quick thing. You're talking about books. One of the best ways to find the collection books that I was talking about is to go to Barnes & Noble on the clearance, mm. clearance aisle, clearance rack, one of or both of those things. They have on those clearance things right in the front of the store, that's where those collection books end up. And a lot of them are going to be things that you're not interested in. But recently, I found a um, Hood Ornaments collection book, Ooh. which I didn't get. I feel like I should have. There's beautiful stuff in there. There was one that was like 2,000 record covers or something like that. Um, it wasn't the big one. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, 1,000 record covers. That's it. Um, it. It's just they're all over there because it's a thing that like probably doesn't sell real well, and they mm-hmm. end up on the clearance rack. Well, they're expensive. You can get them for really so, yeah. like, here, here's one of those, those books, and I think like the the price on there might be like thirty nine or forty nine dollars because it's color it's it's five hundred color pages. That's why they're expensive. Yeah, and so they don't right. sell, and then they end up on that on that rack for like seven ninety nine. Yeah. So <laughs> go there if you're looking for that type of book. Um, all right, I want to thank our Patreon supporters, uh, and I hope that we get to meet some of these people if we haven't met them already. I hope we get to see them at Maker Fair. Uh, it's big thanks to Make, Build, Modify, Caleb Harris, Blondie Hacks, Funkus Artistic Creations, Maker in Training, Chad from Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Corey Ward, Evan and Caitlin, and Wise Old Dow, but also to everybody else um, who helps us out over there. And I posted a thing for those those supporters, uh, all supporters on Patreon who want the after show. There were people having were having trouble getting the RSS feed to be able to put it into their podcast player for the after show. And I posted a thing to our Patreon page that shows you how to do that. So if you haven't done that and you want to do it, go look for that post. It will give you all the info. Um, everybody who supports us at any level gets the after show, which is usually 15, 10, 15 minutes more of us talking. Sometimes there's secret stuff. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes it's probably boring. Sometimes <laughs> it's probably really exciting. I don't really know. But Sometimes anyway, more of it's just Jimmy making noises. That's true. More often than not, Her? as he as he looks up, like <laughs> Is that, thanks for joining us again. Jimmy. Up like a prairie no. dog. Yeah. In the in the after show, I'll talk about what I'm designing while we talk. Oh, oh, while we were talking. Yeah, I'll tell you what that is. This is a very special, interesting piece of paper. I just cut. Brain never stops working. Cool. Um, all right, David, what you got? Oh, anything cool? Uh, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I caught you off guard. Oh no. Uh, Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, I need a second. Can somebody else okay, go Jimmy, first? Jimmy, what you got? <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about Mark Adams Photography. He probably never listens to this, but go to Mark Adams Photography Instagram. He's the guy that took all the pictures last year and all the pictures this year. He stood there tirelessly going, taking pictures of everybody. He, he got sick of seeing my face because everybody kept pulling me into pictures. And he would take... 35 pictures of like people bouncing around in front of the seamless. And then he would stop and email them to everybody inside of the picture. So he did it as he went. So he wouldn't be overwhelmed. So he would take 25 pictures of like a little posse of people, people jumping in and out, kicking the throwing kicks, jumping up to do high fives. And then he'd stop and he would select them all, put them in an email. And then sometimes type in emails. He started developing like memory because a lot of people were were in his sent 
memory bank, but he would then ask everybody to step in and type your email. And he sent out all the only, not only did he take pictures, he sent thousands of emails to everybody that was getting their pictures taken. So shout out to Mark Adams Photography. Go to Mark Adams Photography and also Spring Make Instagram to see all the pictures of all the people that got to hang out and have fun. And there's some pictures of some of the stuff that people actually made at the event. A lot of people were welding for the first time in their lives and learning how to TIG weld and learning how to plasma cut and learning how to grind and also the woodworking faction. There was a lot of woodworking. So some people have their stuff in their hands. Other people just come in to be fun. So check out Mark Adams Photography and Spring Make for those crazy cool black and white pictures, of which there's probably 10,000. I'm ready. Go. I'm ready. It's called A Craftsman's Legacy. Uh, it's a... It, it's an independent show and it's on our local PBS station, uh, but you can watch episodes on their, uh, on his website. You just have to sign up and email. There's no, there's no cost. And it's just a great show of this guy who's a, he's a motorcycle builder. Um, his name is, I should, Eric, Eric Gorges, G O R G E S. Uh, it, it's a it's a nice, calm, relaxing show where he goes into other people's shops and they teach him how to do something. And there's woodworking, there's bookmaking, there's all these different creative things. And he's also got a new book coming out, and uh, it, and it's also called A Craftsman's Legacy. It's just is it local? You said it's local to Toledo, but I, I think I've no, seen it. It's a PBS. It's 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 in um it's it's on our PBS station here in Toledo, but he's somewhere out of Michigan. Yeah, and, I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, and uh, it's just a really good, inspiring show. Check it out. A Craftsman's Legacy. Cool. I will check that out. That sounds familiar. So maybe I have seen it before. Um, so mine is a show that actually has been around for quite a while, and I don't know why I've never seen it or heard of it. Um, Master and Apprentice. Have you ever heard of this? It's on um, Rooster Teeth, which is like a, a big YouTube channel. And... I don't really, I've only seen bits and pieces of it so far, but it looks interesting enough that I'm now going to start watching it. Um, and I found it because they did one on um, building custom lightsabers. But I think the, the idea is that there's one guy who's worked in the effects industry for a long time and has a lot of experience, and there's another guy who really doesn't. And so they both do a project together, and there's just a lot of knowledge transfer. That's what I get. And it looks fun. Uh, so go check that out. It might be interesting for some people. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of recommendation for it because I haven't watched enough of it yet, but I think it's, it looks interesting. So go check that out. All right. You guys got anything else? Yeah, I just, I want to just promote, I want to say thank you to Craig from Lincoln because I'm doing a welding class this summer. And when I left the event, Craig hooked me up with five or six welders and a lot of equipment and a lot of consumables. Uh, so Lincoln is, is sponsoring my two welding classes. So thank you to Craig from Lincoln and Lincoln in general. And then also wanted to also promote my Obey the Grain classes coming up May 24th, 5 and 6. And in that class, we learn how to make spoons and bowls and we do power carving with Arbitect tools. So you want to promote that. That class still has some space in it. If anybody's interested, go to my personal website and look at the classes. Oh, and one more, one more promotion. I'm going to be this Friday, which is later today, if you're listening to this in the afternoon. In the evening, I'm going to be on the, I can't remember how to say it. It is the, I had this up and my phone went to sleep. I'm so sorry I exist. I have Friday (laughs) 3D printing, Friday 3D printing community hangout 
I'm going to be talking printing. You jealous, Bob? Whoa. <laughs> I'm not jealous because I will be on a plane to Italy at that time. So, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to be talking 3D printing live with the Friday I would, 3D I, printing community hangout. I have to say it like that. I may go back and watch that. after. Yeah, so after check that out. This Friday night or the Friday today's night. Today's night. Today night. <laughs> today's night. Cool. To- All right. Well, um, I don't know that we'll record next week. We'll see. Probably not, but I will be out of country. So Out of country? You know. Are you in the military? Out of country? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'll be out of country. Uh, sounds like a military <laughs> thing. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Love you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. See you next time. <laughs>